Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, your Friday pod. Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. Special guest Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com is going to be here. He did recent lists on the 25 best coaching hires in college football since 1995 and then the top 10 coordinator hires since 1995. Urban Meyer, Jim Trussell made the head coaching list. Tom Herman, Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson made the coordinator list. And so that's what we're talking about. No Steven, no Nathan. Um, Mark it down Monday pod coming Monday. It's Memorial Day. We're going to give it to you anyway. Tuesday pod talking about a lot of coaching stuff, some coaching questions. Uh, The coaches that might be the biggest pain in the neck for Ohio State going forward. That's Tuesday. Next Wednesday, Ohio State LSU breakdown. Okay, so be ready for that. But this is your Friday pod. Hope you guys have a great weekend ahead. This is me and Adam Rittenberg talking coaching. If you want to get involved, right, if you want to be part of the pod, Normally, we used a lot, use a lot of texter questions. You can send a text to 614-350-3315 and join us there. $3.99 a month, but you get a 14-day free trial. Let's see what you think. And just so people know, uh, I sent out some texts on Thursday, uh, as we mentioned, that failed. And if you think that I got fired because um, of my bad text, because I joked that I got fired, I, 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 I didn't get fired. I'm still here. And we're doing this podcast. So thanks to Adam Rittenberg for joining me. I think you guys will enjoy this conversation. talking about where the hiring of Urban Meyer should rank among the best coaching hires in recent years. Where the hiring of Ryan Day and Tom Herman should rank. Lots of good context on Ohio State and the national picture from Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Joined by one of my favorite sports writers, Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. He and I have been talking about uh, Big Ten football for years and years, decades even. Uh, Adam, <laughs> Adam now a, he's, a, he's a national college football writer, though, so he has a great sense of the whole scene. He has really some really interesting stories at ESPN.com in the last week or so. He had a great Maurice Claret story. He ranked the best college football head coaching hires of recent years. He ranked the best coordinator hires. And we're going to get into all of that. But Adam and I were just talking before we started the pod. Adam, again, has a sense nationally of this stuff. Adam, do you feel like there is momentum building towards some type of college football in the fall? 
I, I do, Doug, and I think that there's been a change here in the last couple of weeks, and in some cases, in some way, not surprising, because you know, we know so much more now than we did 30 days ago, and we'll probably know more 30 days from now, just about all elements, you know, chiefly the testing. I think you know, we had a piece earlier this week on ESPN.com by two of my great colleagues, Heather Dennett and Andrew Adelson, focused on testing, and a lot of us contributed to that. Uh, and it just feels like there's optimism among the smart people. And, and that's not necessarily a shot at the coaches and the ADs, but the folks that are in the medical community or that have uh, specialties in, in, uh, in infectious diseases, the Big Ten has a task force that we talked to several folks that were on the task force for the Big Ten and some of the other conferences have similar groups. And I just sensed more optimism even from those people about the availability of testing and the, and the ability to create create plans for managing this. I mean, nobody expects there to be a vaccine by the fall, uh, and they're really more focused on the players and the coaches and the staff, not so much the fan. That's going to be more school to school. But I just think in the sense of getting people back together, athletes and teams, and having a plan for training and practice and the season, that's much more so in the works now than worrying if we're going to have a season. I think we're going to have a season in most places. We're likely going to have one on time in most places. And I think the success or failure of all of this, Doug, is the management of the virus when it does occur, because it's inevitably going to do uh, show up in some places on some teams. And how do you manage that effectively so that you avoid a situation where an entire team has to be in quarantine or you have to cancel games in the middle of the season? And there's still a lot that could change this. But I, I do sense from the presidential level to the medical folks, to the ADs, there's a little bit more optimism now than there was even a few weeks ago. All right, so let's dive into football. I think those are all great points that you made, Adam. And I and just the call we had with Gene Smith on Wednesday, it, it just felt like more momentum building toward that. Um, football, we still love talking football here, and a lot of people are doing a lot of great stuff. I love the kind of thing you did with ranking the best hires. And this is the 25 best head coaching hires since 1995. Um, we want people to go read this stuff at ESPN.com. We want people to subscribe to the great college football content at ESPN.com. But we can give a little bit away, right, Adam? We can. For free? We Is that can. allowed? Yeah. For, okay. for, you, for you, Doug. Not, not for anybody, but for you. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm now making money off your work. I'm giving away the free ESPN stuff on Buckeye Talk, which has like one ad. I don't know. I think it's a Candy Crush ad that shows up sometimes. <laughs> All right. So there are two Ohio State head coaching hires on this list of the best college football coaching hires since 1995. And I'm going to start off with my first quibble because I love you, Adam. I love your work. But, of course, I'm going to quibble. Yeah, gonna so, come so on. we do this. Yep. We're going to have some quibbles. I thought Urban Meyer at five was – at least one spot too low. I would. I think he's a better and more important hire than the guy you have fourth. I think your top three are maybe more difficult to argue, but you have Bob Stoops at Oklahoma four, Urban Meyer at Ohio State five. What to you was the margin there that made you put Stoops ahead of Urban? Yeah, it, it, again, this is an impossible thing to try to do, and that no one's going to agree with everything. It's kind of why we do it. Um, you know, my the thing that I probably weighted uh, more so than maybe some other people that, that would do a list like this is what the pro what shape the program was in when the coach inherited it. And we could certainly talk about the problems at Ohio State 
in 2011 and how unusual of a season that was and the looming you know, NCAA, well, there had been some sanctions and there were some that were coming and it was just not a very good time at Ohio State and obviously Urban changed that. But we forget how bad Oklahoma was when Bob Stoops took over. I mean, Oklahoma, you know, for one of the great programs in college football and a lot of, a lot of periods of high, high-level success, program was kind of a disaster in the late 90s. And Bob Stoops gets there, and they win a national title a couple of years later. And then I think they don't have any uh, seasons of less than eight wins since then. You know, they haven't obviously won another national championship. They've made the college football playoff, but they've dominated the Big 12. And I just think that hire got Oklahoma back to being Oklahoma. And certainly Urban did that at Ohio State. But you also have to look at where Ohio State was as a program just two years before he got there or three years before he got there. And, you know, Ohio State is sort of unbreakable. And maybe Urban, you know, just sustained that and showed that that's the case. But I know you and I have talked about the fact that, you know, if Ohio State is failing, someone is screwing up. It's not the program. And I'm going to be ranking again, just to tease an upcoming uh, story about tiers of programs. And, you know, big shocker, Ohio State will be in tier one. Because if, if, if Ohio State is not a tier one program, then the people in charge of it are screwing up. And uh, I think you and I would agree with that. And I, but Urban certainly deserves a lot of credit for taking over a very difficult situation and winning his first, what was it, 24 consecutive games and winning right. a national title in year three and, and getting Ohio State to the place where it is right now under Ryan Day, where they're just continuing to win conference championships and dominate recruiting. And they're even at a higher level now. So I, I think it's certainly close between the two of them. Uh, but uh, I just gave Oklahoma a slight nod because of where the program was when Bob took over. I'm not going to reveal your top three. People might be able to figure it out, but go read a story. We're only talking about the Ohio State stuff. Go read a story. Here is what I think is interesting, Adam, and I've thought about that. We've all thought about this kind of stuff a lot. It's the kind of thing we love to do, even when there's games going on. I love what ifs. We all love what ifs. Sure. Say Urban Meyer is just like off the board. Ohio State's in the same situation. They had the issues. Jim Trestle lost his job. Luke Fickle goes six and seven in 2011 and just like either urban meyer is still at florida and just not interested urban meyer is committed to tv is committed to retirement the timing is just off i don't know exactly where they would have gone and i thought a black cloud was going to hang over ohio state potentially for at least a couple years coming off everything that happened with jim trestle my impression at the time was that the three most likely candidates were Urban Meyer, who was so obvious, but again, just take away the obvious answer. Sure. Keeping Luke Fickle mm. or Bo Pelini, former Ohio State player who was at Nebraska, but I think, I think Ohio State was a little worried about sort of the rough edges of Bo Pelini. So when I think about Fickle or Pelini instead of Urban in that moment, it feels like a huge gap. And then to me, if you go, and this is especially, I want your thoughts on all this, but especially this, if you go sort of like non-connected guy who's just a good coach, if you go Gary Patterson, if you go Chris Peterson, if you go sort of good coach X, David Shaw, I don't know. They could have thrown money at an established guy. I'm also not a thousand percent sure how that goes. Urban Meyer, and I've said this before, is like a miracle. He's like a miracle dropped from the heavens to solve all their problems with both his resume and his connection to Ohio State. Especially, how do you think good coach X would have fared at Ohio State? And if Urban was off the board, where do you think they maybe would have gone? 
Yeah, that's a great what if, because I think Urban was hired on like November 28th. So it wasn't even like a search. It wasn't even like a, a faux search for Ohio State. It was just going to be Urban Meyer. And there, there, there he's being introduced. So I think it, I'm always interested to I think in some cases you get a sense of how good a job is when it's open and, and who's interested. I think we got a little bit of a taste of that with Florida State this past year. Florida State, you know, historically, at least in the last uh, you know, 20, 30 years, one of the great programs. But that recent coaching search, you didn't see a ton of big names lining up to be the next seminal coach. And I do wonder if Ohio State does a full search and, and let's take Luke out of it and just say, okay, the Ohio State job is open. Thank you, Luke. You know, maybe we'll keep you on as an assistant, but we're going to hire an established uh, head coach. Who's interested? Um, I think it would be really interesting to see how that search would have gone. I, I, you know, and, and, and Gene Smith, uh, to, you know, who was embattled at that point, how would he have fared in terms of handling that search um, as a guy who's very established as an administrator around the country, but had taken some hits, quite frankly, at that time in his career? So, uh, you know, I, I don't know where they go. Do they go to a Gary Patterson? Do they kick the tires on a Bob Stoops? Is there somebody from the NFL that we're not thinking about? Um, I'm trying to think who else was really a hot name in 2011 who, who might have interest in, in that job. It would have been um, it would have been interesting, but you're right. You think about Luke Fickle not having the success that Urban, Heyer, Urban Meyer had in 2012 and beyond. Bo Pelini most likely not having the success Urban Meyer had. And then you get to a point where a couple of nine and threes and maybe Ohio State isn't where they are right now. How much, and, and I want to get to the one of the points you brought up, but how much do you think, and, and this is why I love having a guy like you on, Adam, because you have the big picture view on this. Are you a big believer in fit? Or do you think, again, whoever it would have been, established coach X, let's say Gary Patterson at TCU, we know he knows how to build a winner. Um, he's a good football coach. There's no denying that. How much do you think fit matters? I mean, again, I always say if, if Ohio State only is going to hire coaches who grew up in Ohio, you're limiting your pool. Ryan Day didn't grow up in Ohio. You don't have to grow up in Ohio to be the Ohio State head coach. But I don't know. There is a cultural component to some degree. How much do you think matters, maybe especially in a program like Ohio State or Alabama or places like that, where there is such a cultural component to the school and the team? I don't think there's any element of coaching hires that I, I'm a stronger subscriber to now than fit. And I don't think I was there maybe, you know, five, 10 years ago, certainly when I really started covering the coaching industry, which is five or six years ago. And I have seen so many examples of good coaches who were poor fits and it doesn't work out. I think Rich Rodriguez is a pretty good coach. He was a horrible fit at Michigan. And that's obviously an extreme example that all, uh, all of your uh, podcast listeners know about, but there's other examples where the fit just wasn't right or the fit was right. And it did end up working out. Um, and so I think, yeah, we have to look at who was available at that time and who really would have fit Ohio state. I don't think Gary Patterson would have fit Ohio state. I think Gary is a really good coach, like you said, but he's the king of a, of a, of a very quiet fiefdom and the way, the way he likes it uh, to really be left alone. Doesn't do a lot of media. Isn't out in the public very much. You know, they're in a major market in Dallas where, you know, TCU is a nice little story, but it's not Ohio state in Columbus. It's not Ohio state in the big 10. And so I think he would have struggled under that spotlight. And so I think very few coaches can handle it the way that Urban Meyer uh, did or the way that Jim Trestle did or the way that it seems like Ryan Day is doing so far. And so I, I think fit is absolutely critical in making any hire, especially a hire that is so important like Ohio State. 
You used the word unbreakable. We did a series. I always talk about it because I think it was so good. We did a series to preview the season for Ohio State several years ago, and we called Ohio State the most indestructible program in college football. And I argued they're, they're arguably the most indestructible sports team in America. Mm-hmm. Um, when you just look at – and a big thing to me was a lack of sustained lulls. Everybody has like a down year here and there. But – you look at, and you know this, I mean, you look at so many great traditional college football powers, whether it's Alabama or Texas or USC or what Florida State's going through right now or Michigan, and you can, there are recent downturns that places you thought, man, they're always going to be good, but but yet these schools haven't been able to maintain it. Ohio State, you know, they trailed off a little bit at the end of Cooper, but Trestle got it turned around basically right away, but pretty much like, since Woody had like a little bit of a couple rough years kind of early in his tenure, uh, you know, maybe in the 60s there a little bit, you know, nine and three Earl Bruce was like their biggest downturn, right? And they were still nine and three and beat Michigan more, you know, I think Earl had a winning record against Michigan. Is, are there truly indestructible programs or when you think about a list like this that you did, is everybody one bad coaching hire away? from falling off a cliff? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think most programs are, but I think there's other things that go into it um, where, I, I, again, I, I agree with you. I think Ohio State is, you know, they haven't won the most national titles in the last uh, 25 years. And one thing we could certainly talk about, Doug, I'd love to get your thoughts. I mean, in doing this piece and the coordinator piece and even my jobs tears piece, which is coming up uh, in, in a couple in, in June, Ohio State should have more national titles in the last 25 years. It's actually you know, kind of embarrassing that they don't. Uh, but with that said, they have not had the downturn that Alabama had before Saban. They have not had the downturn that I just mentioned with Oklahoma before Bob Stoops got there in the late 90s. They didn't have the decade that LSU had in the 90s when they had losing seasons in seven out of 10 years before Nick Saban arrives after the 99 season. You know, Georgia is a program that coaches would crawl to to be the head coach. They haven't won a national title in 40 years, and they've had some mediocre seasons. So it really is amazing. Ohio State's the one, and I, and I do think it's because of the location. It's because of the support that's never going to go away, the facilities, and, and everything else that goes along with that program. You really have to screw it up with, I think, not just a bad coaching hire, but some problems in the administration and or a scandal. That's the only way Ohio State's staying down for any sustained period because they should always have the most talent in the big 10. And unless there's just a lot of stuff going on wrong behind the scenes, you know, they should be a 10 win program every year. And and the funny thing about it, not funny, not funny to Ohio state fans. They've had three fairly sizable scandals in the past 20 years and they've been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Maurice Claret, tattoo gate, Zach Smith. Fine. You know, the only one, one cost Jim Trestle his job. They had one lousy year and then they got Urban Meyer. Like that is the thing too. They've, I mean, I guess there's always, you know, who knows? Maybe there's another scandal for every program right around the corner. But like, even that has not really derailed them, which is what I thought might happen after Jim Trestle lost, Jim Trestle lost his job that like, if, if it was a job that people just said, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to touch that. It's not worth the risk for right. me right now. 
then maybe you end up in a situation where you almost can't avoid a bad hire and now you're now you're down the tubes but um it has been it has been pretty remarkable and that's that's a version of success right there's the, the how high is your peak is a is probably the the most prominent version of success that people remember um but how high is your floor also is another version of success that like even when we're bad we're only this bad um so you would argue and i'll 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 We'll go down this road here briefly, Adam. Would you say that Ohio State then on some level has underachieved, and maybe more specifically when you look at Urban Meyer, and interestingly on your list you have Urban Meyer's hiring at Ohio State, the fifth biggest hire, Urban Meyer's hiring at Florida, the sixth biggest hire. He won two national titles at Florida, only one at Ohio State. Do you think Urban Meyer, for lack of a better word, underachieved at Ohio State in seven years by only winning one? It, to a degree, yes. I mean, again, didn't underachieve in the Big Ten, didn't underachieve against Michigan, obviously won all those games, won a lot of big bowl games. But when you look at the asse- assembly of talent that he had, the 2015 team, um, you know, uh, the, 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 that team was certainly capable of winning a national title. Um, you know, the, you know the, the 2017 team had some issues. The 2018 team was a really good team, uh, you know, and, and, had, and, had, and had some obviously problems on defense. But when you look at the number of NFL draft picks and, uh, and just the, 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 you know, the talent and the, the games that they did win, it, it is kind of head scratching as to why they didn't win more than one national title. Um, and I, you know, again, I, I did my future power rankings for, for teams is another thing I put out recently and I had Ohio state at number two, this projects for the next three seasons, 2020, 2021, 2022, they're only trailing Clemson in those rankings. And I put in the blurb, if Ohio state doesn't win a national title in this period of evaluation, they fans should be really upset. I mean, again, you got that, that Clemson's won two, Alabama's won a bunch, LSU just won one. Um, and, and they're going to be really strong here going forward, I think. So Ohio State's got to win another, I, I think, uh, because of the, the talent and the, the momentum they've had in their program. So I think there is a little bit of underachievement, which is amazing to say, looking at Urban Meyer's overall record and his incredible performance in the conference and against his rivals. The one thing that I think is, uh, I, we, we've talked about on this podcast, I say that I do not characterize it that way. And the one thing that I think is difficult is, and I've, I've written this and argued this, and you can just look at the numbers. I think the current playoff structure, sometimes I sound like a homer, man. I come on this podcast and I'm like, I'm not a homer. And then sometimes I find myself in discussions where I'm just defending Ohio State and I feel like a homer. I think they've been as hurt by the current playoff system more than any team in the country because, yes, they don't have the national titles to show for it, but three of the years that I think they could have competed for a national title, they didn't get in. Right. And I do think it's difficult where the world is like, well, you lost one regular season game. It's your fault. Sorry, you didn't make it. And I think if the 15 team gets in, they've got a shot. If the 17 team gets in, they've got a shot. If the 18 team gets in, they've got a shot. And if, you're, if your threshold is like undefeated or bust, it's not that they were getting in year after year after year and failing against the best teams. It's that a bunch of times they didn't even get their shot because they had one trip up during the year. And the 16 team that got in, I think I could make a convincing argument, was Urban Meyer's worst team. Yeah, I think that or 13. I mean, probably the, the two worst. So uh, 
you know, they're right there on the cusp of enough times, and then they end up getting blown out in a way that I think possibly negatively affects them with the committee going forward. When that team overachieved, that was a 9-3 and three team that won a bunch of close games and, and never should have been in the playoff. But if we were in a six- or eight-team playoff world where winning the Big Ten automatically got you in the playoff, they've, you know, they've been the best team in the Big Ten. They didn't win it in 2015. They still might have been left out there. But in a world where there's no real wild cards, you know, Alabama gets in as a second SEC team, but the Big Ten's never going to get that. And where even winning your title in your conference doesn't guarantee you a spot, I just think they are the one team that got a little, not screwed, but they just had a little bit of a, they couldn't exactly thread the needle. And I think they had teams, not that they would have won national titles those years, but they could have, and they didn't get the shot. No doubt. And I, I, you know, I think they would have been obviously the first wild card if the system was bigger than four in 15. Um, they would have been in in 2018 if there was a bigger than 14 uh, playoff. And so, yeah, you, you, you never know. I mean, the 18 team, as, we, as we've discussed, had significant issues on defense that went beyond just the Purdue game that probably would have uh, cost them in a playoff format. But uh, in terms of talent, in terms of coaching, a lot of those teams, you know, maybe had what it take, what, what, what it took. I mean, I, I thought, um, you know, last year's Ohio State team should have been in the national title game. I think they were better than Clemson, and they found ways to not score enough points in the first half of that game to get beat when it really mattered. I don't think they were going to beat LSU, but at least to get to that stage again would have been meaningful for, you know, a program that, again, is, I think, by any measure, a top three program year in and year out. All right, let's get to your coordinator list. Another great list. Go read it. Go read it. Go read it. Top 10 coordinator hires over the same period. Two Ohio State um, mentions on this list. One that isn't mentioned, and I'm Adam, I'm not like trying to come up and be like, I disagree with this. I disagree with this. But to your whole point, you do research. You do a good job with this and it elicits debate. Chris Ash as a defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, not on this list. Obviously, he had a great influence after the def- defensive issues they had in 2013. He comes from Arkansas. They loved his work at Wisconsin. He really helped reshape the defense, and they win the national title in 2014. It, was he in the mix for this list? I thought about Chris, and I probably should have put him on the honorable mention list. I mean, for some of these, you know, you can't go beyond two entries per team, to be fair. I already had two for Clemson. I already had two for Ohio State. I actually debated the Herman one a little bit, uh, but because obviously he's so attached to Urban Meyer and Urban is going to cast a shadow over the offense, good or bad. I think good in some ways in 2012 through 14 and bad in 2015 and 2016. But um, I think Tom deserved to be on there. Certainly Chris did a great job uh, with the defense and you know, I think he's going to do a really good job at Texas now as their new defensive coordinator. So yeah, he, he was considered, but uh, you wanted to spread it out a little bit more nationally beyond just Ohio State and Clemson. Fair. Completely fair. Number eight on your list is Tom Herman. Number five on your list is the combo of Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson. Is it fairly clear in your mind? Because Tom Herman, the big thing Urban talked about, he didn't know Tom Herman at all. Tom Herman did up-tempo stuff at Iowa State. Urban had not done up-tempo when he came back. That's one of the things the year away visiting Chip Kelly, guys like that. He wanted to implement that, so he had to get a coordinator who had experience with that. Tom Herman came in, was really important to Urban, but is it pretty clear to you that Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson, what they've done offensively, definitely deserved a higher ranking than Tom Herman? Yes, and I think that the main thing, and again, I think Kevin doesn't get enough credit because even though he was the higher profile hire because of what's happened with Ryan, 
going on to become the head coach and the fact that Ryan directly coaches the quarterbacks and will continue to do that, you know, even though he's, he's the head coach. I, you know, I, I just think what they've done to improve the passing game at a time when college football is a quarterback sport and it's a big passing game sport more than ever. That's what happened in Alabama. Uh, you know, first with Lane Kiffin who made the list and then it's continued with, uh, with Mike Loxley and now Steve Sarkeesian. Um, you know, they're, they're much more of a quarterback centric pass oriented program. Not to say that they weren't at Ohio state and arguably Tom's greatest accomplishment as a coordinator was winning a national title. Not even arguably was his greatest accomplishment winning a national title with a third string quarterback. What Ryan has done and Kevin has done, you know, for that offense and for the quarterback position, it's one of the few positions, as you know, Doug, that Ohio state it does, is not one of the greats. Uh, in college football in terms of producing high-level quarterbacks. That is changing. They're going to have two first-round draft picks in a four-year period after having none between 2018 and 1982. That's Ryan Day. That's Kevin Wilson. And I don't see that impact changing a whole lot in the near future. I have 400 questions for you. I could keep you on for nine hours, but I'm not going to do that. A couple things I want to get to before we let you go. Sidelight. On Kevin Wilson, do you think he's going to be a head coach again anytime soon? Um, I, I wonder. You know, Kevin's what, late 50s, mid 50s? I, I don't have his age in front of me. Um, you know, he obviously had was a consideration briefly for Colorado State. I think he'd like that opportunity uh, at some point, um, depending on the program. He's also very happy at Ohio State, makes a lot of money, loves coaching these players. I think he's enjoyed being a part of the staff. Um, but uh, I, I do wonder if whatever school can get past some of the things that happened at the end at Indiana, um, whether they'll give him another chance, um, you know, and, and whether it would be a program that he would want to go to uh, as a head coach for, for one you know, kind of final opportunity. He's been a very successful offensive coordinator throughout his career at Northwestern, at Oklahoma, now at Ohio State. You know, he did get Indiana certainly in the right direction, and, and Tom Allen has continued that positive direction for you know, one of the Big Ten's you know, weaker programs, without a doubt, historically. So I, I, I do think he'll have opportunities. It's just whether he'll want to take that opportunity and whether that school can get past you know, some of the things that occurred at the end of Indiana. It feels like to me that he would like to do it again. Every time we have him talk to us, we always joke. It's like he stands up there like he's a head coach. You can tell he's got that thing in him that it's like, I like being a guy who's in charge of stuff. It feels like he would like that opportunity again. With what you know about how this works, th- th- what happened with him at Indiana, it's, it's kind of nebulous because it's not like he did this. It's like, well, they got rid of him. They said he went a little too far with some of the player stuff. It's like, you know, he would dispute that I'm just coaching them hard or whatever. Um, how much does that hold, hold programs up sometimes that, you know, if you have a thing, you committed this NCAA violation, let's say everybody knows what the deal is. That's an issue. This feels a little more kind of iffy, a little more hard to get your hands around it with Kevin Wilson. But do you think schools still are going to, you know, be cautious about that? Well, I, I think Colorado State, you know, had some pause. You know, Colorado State looked like they were going to hire Butch Jones, and then they had some pause. It looked like they were going to hire Kevin Wilson, and then they had some pause and ended up hiring Steve Adazio, which was a strange hire, uh, honestly, um, for, for CSU. I, I, I think it's going to depend, again, on, on, on what that school president, what that school AD, the people they talk to, and how comfortable they are with who Kevin is. You know, Kevin's a tough personality. 
You know, he, he's a brutally honest guy and he's not going to baby players. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe did cross the line at times at Indiana with some of the folks, not just players, but those around the program. I think he's going to have to sell. I've changed. I have grown in this area. I've been at Ohio State around Urban Meyer, around Ryan Day. I've observed other coaches. Um, I'm not necessarily going to make uh, or, or to take that same approach that I did that maybe got me in some trouble at the end of Indiana. But I think it's ultimately just going to be uh, how, the com- how comfortable those people are with, with what happened or you know, how he is presenting himself now as maybe a, a slightly changed coach, but also realizing that his personality is what it is. You know, Kevin's not a kumbaya guy. He just isn't. I've, I've known him since I was a sophomore at Northwestern in 2000 when he was the offensive coordinator there and they went and, and, and had a great offense. And um, I, I love talking to him and I'm sure you do too, because he's not going to BS us. He's going to give us real answers. And um, I, I appreciate the honesty, but sometimes that doesn't always translate well on a football program. Last three. If Tom Herman's the offensive coordinator for Ohio State in 2015, if he doesn't leave, does Ohio State win the national title? Well, I, I think they probably do uh, because I think Urban Meyer is not as involved in that uh, convoluted offensive play calling deal. And, um, uh, you know, Tom Herman obviously had a familiarity with, uh, with all the quarterbacks that were involved that year, the three quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, they obviously had so much talent around them with Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, great players at, at both lines and the receiver spot. And really the entire defense was very talented. So, yeah, I, I think the reason Ohio State didn't win a national title that year was because of the offensive operation. And while a lot of people like to blame that on Ed, on Ed Warner and on Tim Beck, Urban Meyer's the head coach. It falls on him. It's his side of the ball, and he has to take responsibility for what happened against Michigan State, which is an inexcusable loss, but even some of the other issues that happened that year. And so I think, you're, yeah, I think Tom Herman, if he's there in 15, they, they probably win again. I agree with that, and I've said that. I think that's, I think that's right. Um, this is a tech subscriber question. I apologize to the tech subscriber. I don't have your phone number in front of me, but I thought it was a great question. We saw the Ryan Day plan of taking over for Urban Meyer, and Gene Smith said that there, he has not had another assistant at Ohio State since Gene's been the athletic director that he would have been comfortable promoting the way he promoted Ryan Day. Gene has long contended he saw something different in Ryan Day. But if Urban Meyer had left Ohio State after 2014, the way he left after 2018, and Tom Herman took over, hmm. and Tom Herman was Ohio State's head coach starting in 2015, we see that Tom, obviously, he's a big-time dude. He was successful at Houston, got the Texas job. Texas, probably one of the jobs that's most similar to Ohio State in the country. Do you think Tom Herman would have succeeded at Ohio State? Because we've also seen – you know, Tom didn't instantaneously get it going at Texas, but also he had some more things to overcome. Ryan Day took over and the, and the plate was set for him. Do you think Tom Herman would have had a similar success as Ryan Day because he would have sort of been riding along with what Urban left him? Yeah, I, I think I think it would have been slightly different, but in terms of the macro issues, in terms of recruiting, in terms of, you know, being able to win the big 10 and, and, and beat your rivals and continue on that track. Uh, I think it's, it's likely they would have been able to do that. Now, Tom would have been a first time head coach. 
Um, I think he would have been a bit younger than Ryan was when he took over at Ohio State. So that's a little bit of a concern. The other concern is, I, you know, again, I, I you think we've seen this a little bit. How, how, how sustainable is Tom's offense? Uh, you know, it's so geared around the quarterback and the quarterback run. And I think we're going to see, you know, a little bit of the blend this year as Mike Yersich goes to Texas, who had been at Ohio State, who was, I think, instrumental in Justin Fields' development into one of the nation's best quarterbacks last year. How is that going to connect with Tom Herman's philosophy on offense, which is, you know, has been to run your quarterback for, you know, 200 times a year or whatever it's been. Uh, so I, I don't know if, if Tom's philosophy ultimately is going to need to be tweaked, and maybe that happens this year. Um, and, and again, like Texas, uh, you know, last year underachieved, and you know, they've recruited pretty well, but, um, you know, they weren't able to build off of a very successful season in 2018 and took a step back last year. And so, you know, it's hard to sit sit here and say that Tom would have necessarily, you know, had, you know, five straight Big Ten titles or whatever it is and two national titles if he took over at Ohio State. But to your point, he definitely took over, would have taken over a better situation at Ohio State than he did from Charlie Strong at Texas. All right. Last thing, the other Ohio State related story you've done recently, Adam, it's pinned to your uh, Twitter profile. Big Maurice Claret story. What led you to that? Why did you want to do that story with Maurice Claret at this point in time? Yeah, so this is actually a story that's been in the works for several years. I did a piece on Maurice uh, back in 2015 when he was really doing mostly speaking to teams around the country. I, I went with him to Alabama when he spoke to Alabama, and I went with him to Florida State when he spoke to uh, Florida State, and we did a TV piece, and I got to know him, and we built the relationship. And then I was actually driving from Penn State uh, Pro Day to do a story about Mount Union uh, in Northeast Ohio, and uh, just kind of reached out to him and, and was like, hey, if by any chance are you in Youngst Youngstown, I'm, I'm, I'm staying there tonight. And he was, and we ended up staying at the same hotel and had dinner and he showed me what he was starting there which is this the, the red zone which is now the the clinic of, for uh, folks that are dealing with um, all sorts of issues substance abuse and people getting out of uh, jail and trying to restart their lives and they work with a lot of kids and I wanted to do a piece on it and it just took a long time to to get it together to, to figure out how we were going to do it and um, you know the, the way we were going to tell the story and I actually was in Columbus back in November the first week of uh, weekend of November uh, at Youngstown and Columbus to report the piece. It ended up being a long writing process and editing process, but we found a spot to run it and, uh, and the story finally came out. And, and it obviously worked out really well in terms of the reporting, spent a day with him in Youngstown, spent some time with him in Columbus. We had the you know, very surprising uh, Mike Tyson meeting, which was really cool to see for Maurice to meet Mike Tyson was one of his um, sporting heroes growing up in Youngstown. And so it, it uh, you know, he, he's just a very interesting person. I, I don't know how much you've talked to Maurice, but he is um, uh, unfiltered and, 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 and pretty raw and genuine and, um, you know, really wants to try to help athletes who are, who are kind of dealing with some of the stuff that he dealt with um, that led to his uh, very, very quick downfall after helping Ohio State to the national title in 2002. We would point any of you listening to that piece, uh, Adam Rittenberg and Maurice Claret, um, on ESPN.com if you want to follow Adam on Twitter. And I mean, come on. If you're listening to this podcast, you should follow Adam Rittenberg on Twitter. It's at ESPN Rittenberg. Um, Adam, always great to have you on. And fingers crossed for seeing you in the fall. 
Yes, yes. I, I, I always love seeing you, Doug, um, and love being in Columbus and covering Ohio State. And so I think I think the games will take place. I don't know if we'll be there. I don't know if I'll be there. You'll probably be there. But um, I, I hope I hope that things uh, continue on the path they're going because we'd love to see a season take place safely and uh, completely this fall. But as always, love being on the podcast. You do a great job and uh, happy to come on and talk Buckeyes whenever you want. Thanks so much, Adam. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Doug. And that's it for Buckeye Talk. Thanks, Anna Rittenberg. Thanks to you guys for listening. Try the text, 614-350-3315. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. Love you guys, man. Really do. Um, just really do. Just really fun. I almost, I said this to the date. Like, we're doing five podcasts a day. And sometimes I'm on our Browns podcast. Sometimes I'm on our Indians podcast. Monday this past week. At the beginning of this week, I did the Ohio State podcast, an Indians podcast, a Browns podcast, and then I did our hour-long uh, internet TV show with Les Levine. If you guys have ever watched that. We do it at Cleveland.com. Every night at Cleveland.com at 6 o'clock, Monday through Friday, there's a sports show on. And it's a TV show. Um, and most of the time, it's Cleveland.com guests for a whole hour with, with Les Levine, who's like a legend of Cleveland broadcasting. Um I'm on like probably every other Monday on average, right? It's me talking for an hour about stuff. Just me. But you get to see my face. I love my face. So the other day, but on Monday, I did three podcasts and a TV show. Um, and I was like, man, I am finally talked out. That was my, the end of my talking. That much in one day was enough. But as for this podcast, I almost can't imagine a world of going back to like once or twice a week. How would I not tell you what I think about Ohio State football every day? Oh, so I, I we are just so grateful to everybody who is listening on a regular basis. Um, we're so grateful to everybody subscribing. Um, I, I, you know, you just hit those moments, right? We're all in this. We're opening up. Fingers crossed. Everybody be safe. Everybody be smart. Everybody be aware of your neighbor. Um, everybody remember that what you do is, is not just for you. It's for everybody around you. And I, I think we're going to be okay. I know we're going to be okay. I'm optimistic about this. I, I believe in our scientists. I just think about all the geniuses, man, all around the world. People that we can't even imagine how smart they are. And all they're doing is spending their days trying to cure COVID-19. How awesome is that? In every country. It blows my mind. Talking about football, and they're trying to figure out how to cure a virus. Uh, it amazes me that there are people like that out in the world, and that, that there's multiple people all over this country and all over this world doing that for us, man. And then the people out there every day doing your thing at the grocery stores, in the hospitals, police, fire, nurses, EMTs, uh, just ridiculous how awesome people are. And everybody, if you're heading back to work, man, be safe. We're going to be all right. So let's fly into this three-day weekend feeling good, feeling optimistic, feeling fingers crossed and optimistic about a college football season and uh, and grateful for everybody who's a part of our Buckeye Talk family. Because if you're listening to this, if you got to the end of this after this long week, five days of podcasts, we just did a great interview and now I'm just babbling. If you're still here, if you're still here right now hearing these words, man, you're in our family. You are in the Buckeye Talk family, and we appreciate you every day. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.